Hello and welcome to Adventures in Venue Land, an EAMC podcast. This is your all-access pass to go backstage and behind the scenes with some of the brightest minds that cross the scope of the live entertainment industry. I'm Dave Rettelberger. And I'm Paul Hooper. We'll introduce you to some of our favorite people as we dive deep into the world of live touring shows and the venues that host them. Today's adventure takes us to St. Augustine down in Florida, where we are talking with Katie Root. She is the marketing manager of St. John's County Cultural Events Division. Uh, and they run St. Augustine Amphitheater and Ponte Vedra Concert Hall. Did I say that right, Katie? Yep, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just jump right in here because we've talked to a lot of folks about, you know, reopening. And that's something you guys have kind of been blazing a trail on. And uh, especially, you know, with amphitheaters, because we mm-hmm. talked to a lot of arena folks. So amphitheater is kind of a, a new thing for you. Let's talk about the amp, first yeah. of all. How are you, of all the amphitheaters in the world, how are you the amp? How'd you pull that one off? That's pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah. So we went through kind of a brand discovery and um, looked at our identity and um, what we wanted to be known for and what we do well. And it was decided that we, we want to be the amphitheater that sets the standard for other amphitheaters. We focus on the fan experience and also the artist experience. That's just important to us to to be the best and set the standard. It's you know you see a lot of amphitheaters popping up with massive lawns and just kind of more impersonal, I guess. Um, I don't want to dig on anybody, but it's it's not a quality experience. It's just pack as many people in there as you can and and have a huge show, uh, which is great in some instances. But we you know we we really care about the experience and we want it to be a good quality one, front of house, back of house. Well, you are talking to the guy who's from the Ohio State University. Yeah. So. <laughs> we do There's like two, these. Yes, we like the these. There's a lot of these in the room right now. <laughs> so, Katie, you know, I would tell us where you guys are at in the whole thing, because Florida is obviously in a different uh, state, haha, literally, right. than the rest of a lot, a lot of the rest of the industry. So, right now, walk us through the past few months and and kind of where things at for you down at St. Augustine. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we have two things going for us. We're in Florida and we're an amphitheater. So it's a little bit more comfortable for people to come to shows. Um, You know, the health guidelines and officials think it's safer to go to shows outdoors. Um, And so we are open at partial capacity. So during during lockdown, during quarantine, uh, we applied for the CARES Act money and we were awarded a large amount of money to basically make the venue safe again and also to communicate that we're reopened. So we spent the last several months developing a reopening plan and just basically redoing the venue. We replaced all the seats, all like 5,000 of them with seats that can lock so that if a seat is not being used, people can't go and sit there. Oh yeah, that's great. Wow. That's awesome. Um, Yeah. And then we have, you know, walk through metal detectors. We switched to uh, digital ticketing like most everyone has now. Uh, we also got infrared temperature scanners. Yeah, you, thermal- guys, are actually, you guys are actually scanning uh, the guest temperature before they come into the, the venue, right? And I think I saw that if you're like 101 or over something, something around that point mm-hmm. that, that you're then not allowed into the venue. 
Right. It's 100.4 degrees or above. You're not allowed in the venue. The thermal image scanners are pretty cool. Uh, most people don't even know that they're getting their temperature scanned. Um, it's just this kind of like video camera that sits on a um, tripod. And as people walk by, it shows on the mon on the laptop monitor the body heat. So yeah, wow. when, I first, when I first saw these, I was thinking, you know, again, I, I remember hearing about this almost a year ago when the, the virus and it was first going to be becoming a thing. And and I remember getting a pitch for, for this and thinking, well, are people going to be okay with this? But times have changed, right? And and it's just, it's it's such a uh, easy technology. Uh, we're using it a little bit here in uh, Columbus as well for our uh, our staff before they enter the building. And it, it's, it's pretty cool. It was pretty cool to see. Yeah, it really is. And something that's kind of funny about it is we've done a few shows now and we sent out post-event surveys asking people how they felt about some of our different health and safety protocols and, and guidelines. And one of the questions was, um, you know, rate, how satisfied were you with temperature scan? We got like, every, I guess every show we get like maybe two to three, like people that respond like extremely unsatisfied. And I was like, that's so weird. I mean, I guess people like, A, maybe they don't think that it's necessary because I've heard that argument before, or um, maybe they didn't realize that they were getting their temperature scanned. And so I, I started reading through more of the comments and sure enough, like some people, they didn't think they got their temperature scanned. So that's why they were extremely dissatisfied. There you go, right? So. That's so funny. <laughs> I'm so mad because I didn't get it at all. Yeah. Like, that's, a, I guess, a good problem to have in that you all are clearly doing it so well and so discreetly that people don't even know it's mm -hmm. happening. Yeah, but that also made me realize that we need to communicate this better so that people actually understand the process. So yeah, one of the things that, you know, we just started doing some small events uh, or some, some big events here in Columbus, but at a reduced capacity. And I noticed that our survey response rate has skyrocketed mm. because everybody's got a really strong opinion right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they're yes. very excited to share it. So oh, but, yeah. <laughs> but those responses are really interesting to kind of go through. Mm -hmm. For the most part, everyone's been really happy, uh, happy to be back. And with our protocols, they feel comfortable and they're, they're just thrilled to be back at live music. Katie, I noticed that, you know, the amp has a really great video on uh, social media. If, if, if our listeners haven't seen it, check it out on Facebook, but kind of walking through those fan health and safety protocols. How, how did you guys put that together? Yeah. So that communication campaign was part of the CARES Act money that we got. A portion of that was set aside or earmarked for a communication campaign. So we um, went out to RFP for different companies to their agencies to help us with that. And this group out of Jacksonville, Beeson 4, put that together for us. And we did a couple days of filming, shooting, and lots of editing and um yeah, I was really pleased with with their work. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. worth checking out if you if you if you haven't seen that. And yeah, I thought it was really impressive, very visually engaging. You know, it's really hard to kind of make some of those protocol type videos exciting to watch. You know, you, mm -hmm. like why are you going to convince someone to watch a video all about you know doing protocols? So I thought you all did a really good job with uh, the group you worked with and kind of making it upbeat, exciting, you know, return to events type of thing. Mm -hmm. I saw you had a starring role in it as well. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> so we are so short, short staffed. I mean, we pretty much most of our team, except for like seven of us, had been reassigned to other parts of the county because we're a county owned organization. So thankfully our boss was hustling and got us all, got all the people that could get moved, moved and they were able to keep their paycheck and 
and keep working through this and help our community because most of them ended up in um, health and human services, helping out with CARES Act grants, something like that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so one of the other things I noticed in the video that is, you know, different from a lot of the other folks who are ho hosting events again, and, and maybe this is a function of being an amphitheater, or maybe it's a function of being in Florida, but I noticed that fans, once they are in their seats, are allowed to remove their masks. So that's mm -hmm. kind of a, a different thing than a lot of the venues are are dealing with, and it probably saving you a few headaches. Well, um, I think it is saving us some headaches, but it's also causing some headaches. I mean, everybody has such a strong opinion on masks, especially here in Florida. I don't know about Everywhere. Everyone else. But, okay. Everywhere. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's um, it's a touchy subject. So we we are allowing guests to take their masks off when they're in their seats because of our pod seating. Each group or pod is at least six feet from from others. So if people are following the guidelines as they should and staying in their pod, then they can take their mask off. And then when they are up and moving or in common areas, they need to put their mask back on. Um, well, I think you're also like afforded maybe a little more, I don't know, leeway, like you said, because you're an amphitheater, you know, like a lot of the arenas that are starting to do those distant shows, it's a little tricky because they're, you know, indoors. So you don't quite have that air movement. It's not open air and outside. And so I think one of the great things that I'm sure you all and other amphitheaters that are, you know, looking at this upcoming season are, you know, excited about is that because you are outdoors, you do get a little more hopefully a jump on some of the um, things that the arenas still have to deal with. Right. Right. For sure. It was kind of funny. I was looking at the 2020 um, Polestar year end report. Yeah. And um, we actually ranked number two in the United States. Boom. There, there's a hot fact. <laughs> drop Because, right there. because um. we were able to have three shows in February. Oh my gosh. Um, because we're an amphitheater in Florida. So and the weather's not too bad here. So yeah, um, yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. We sold like 9,700 tickets, place number two in the US. <laughs> so what is that? What, how, how have ticket sales been? I mean, I know without getting into specifics, because, you know, we're all sensitive to that stuff, but, mm -hmm. but are you seeing that fans are, you know, eager to return? I know there's a, you know, it, with every team, you know, there's that hardcore fan base that would you know, walk, you know, uh, through fire to get to see their team. But for events, kind of, you know, what are, what are you seeing as the trend? Those are selling. We are, we've, we've had six events now since, since reopening. They're all limited capacity, about 1700 and they're selling. The fans are coming. You know, I don't know if it's necessarily for the artist or for the experience, a little bit of both, <laughs> but um, people, people want to be back. They're, they're coming. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great news for all of us. Yeah. When you, you know, when you're looking at events and obviously, you know, you, we, a lot of us are kind of starting to see that, that light at the end of the tunnel, right? And that light is shows off in the distance, but, but you've got a few under your belt. So, so what have, you know, you kind of taken away from this experience? Cause we've done it. We've all had plenty of time to plan for the return, right? Mm -hmm. But right. actually do it and learn from what's happening. So, so what have you kind of learned from this experience so far that would have been helpful to know, you know, uh, a couple months ago? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, when we started this, when we started planning the reopening campaign, the main thing we wanted to do is um, just get people on board with our protocols because we all live, miss live music. Whether you believe in wearing a mask or, you know, you're pissed off that you have to have a temperature taken, you don't want live music to go away. So our point was, you know, help us protect 
the health and well-being of live music. So wear the mask, get your temperature scanned, don't come if you're sick, and let's let's hope that um, you know live music won't go away for a while again. And, and so that was pretty much our main concern is just making sure that people understand that they need to comply with these rules and, and do it in a positive way that that lets them know like they're contributing to you know live music being able to happen or they're contributing to it going away. Yeah. Um, I think that's a great way to frame it and, you know, making it less of a personal opinion or personal politics, but more of like a overall, like wherever you're at on your own personal scale, this is the fact of the matter. Like, you know, the government, the city, the state is going to shut this down if we don't do a good job. So if you want to see your favorite band, you want to go to that live show, let's all just, you know, put that other stuff behind us and let's, you know, do a good job and, bring about the return together. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's a great way to frame it. And hopefully that resonated with your with your guests. I think for the most part it has. Uh, everyone's been pretty, pretty decent, pretty compliant. I mean, there's been a few that we've had to ask to leave, but overall everyone's really happy to be there and and eager to comply. Yeah. I was, a, I was at an event the other day and uh, a gentleman walked in with a face shield. And we said, sorry, you know, uh, NHL uh, regulations, uh, Mandy, we ha- you have to have a fa- actual face mask on. And of course, this has been on the website. This has been in his pre-event e-blasts. It's been communicated a hundred different ways. And he just looks and he says, no, I'm okay. And we said, no, no, yeah, I'm so, you know, hey, we've got a mask here for you. We've, we're going to offer you a mask if you'd like one. Uh, but if not, then you do have to leave. And he's like, okay, I'll leave. And so he just walked out the door. And- yeah, we had... Um- a guy come in and he, you know, he was not wearing a mask. And we said, sir, can you please put your mask on? And he said, no, I have my vaccine. I'm good. And we're like, no, the rule is you need, you need, you're required to wear a mask here. And um, so you can either do that or leave. And he said, I'm leaving. So he left, but that's something I think we're going to start seeing. Um, yeah, sure. Um, as more and more people get vaccinated, the communication around the vaccines are it's, it's a little bit unclear. People think that they are immune once they get the vaccine. Um, but in fact, they can still get the disease yeah. and spread it. Um, so yeah. it's important to, to stay strong with your, um, with your safety protocols and communication. When I could also see people almost like trying to take advantage of that. Like maybe if they don't want to wear a mask and they haven't been vaccinated, just saying, oh, I'm vaccinated, (laughs) you know, just kind of like hoping that's a get out of jail free card, you know, Um, even if they haven't been because they just don't want to, you know, they're using it. Um, But you're exactly right. And I I think, you know, as we're recording this, they just CDC just released some new guidelines around the vaccine. And hopefully that helps kind of lead us into a more, uh, I don't know, defined thing for people to follow uh, as they have been vaccinated. Cause mm-hmm. I think you're right in that there is a lot of confusion on, okay, I've been vaccinated. Do I just get to reset and pretend like it's February, 2020 or, you know, where are things at? And so hopefully this helps, you know, guide people and saying, okay, you know, like you can do some things you weren't before, but we can't quite go back to the way things were not yet, you know? Right. Right. So Katie, you know, we we kind of jumped right in, but let's take a let's take a small step back first and and tell me a little bit about what you're doing there at St. Augustine, St. John's Cultural Events Division. What is that? Tell me about the concert hall and kind of just give it for somebody who's who's never been to St. Augustine, mm-hmm. kind of kind of what you what you got going on down there. Yeah. So 
The St. Augustine Amphitheater is under normal circumstances about a 5,000 feet amphitheater. Um, it's, it's located on Anastasia Island. It's the island in St. Augustine. It's across the Bridge of Lions from downtown historic district. Uh, and we're actually on state park property. So it's a wow. beautiful venue, um, like right by the beach. So a lot of times like artists will come and they'll take our beach cruisers over to the beach or we'll take them over in the golf cart or something. It's a fun venue. It's beautiful. It's, um, it's a great community. It's kind of like a retreat for artists to come play here. And that's what we want of you. That's, that's important for us. And then currently, like I said, it's about 1700 capacity. We're operating at, um, I guess, a third capacity right now. The concert hall is just north of St. Augustine and Ponte Vedra, south, it's south of Jacksonville. And it's just a small club. We, uh, I guess they renovated an old church um, and turned it into this concert hall. And it normally seats about 450 and we're standing about 900, but we're currently not doing shows there right now. So everything kind of focused on the, the amphitheater for right now. What kind, of, what kind of shows are you guys doing at the amphitheater right now? Let's see. We, um, we've had six shows. We had um, a couple of our shows that were scheduled for the concert hall. We moved them to the amphitheater um, to play on our backyard stage. So we moved these Ponte Vedra shows to our backyard seated. We had heaters out there. It was a really nice, intimate outdoor experience. The other shows we had, um, JJ Gray and Mofro on the main stage in the amphitheater. We had the Almond Betts band. And coming up uh, in a couple of weeks, we're having three nights of Billy Strings. Oh, man. Yeah. I yeah. highly recommend. I don't know if you know who he is, Dave. Yeah. No, Excellent. Fill me in. You know, I'm not. Excellent. There. I actually saw him at a festival uh, fall 2019 before everything went down. And gosh, what a, what a talent. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, I think he just, he's doing, he's been doing a lot of live streams and I think he just sold out like six nights of live stream at the Capitol Theater. Um, Wow. I just, it just blows my mind that people are selling out six nights of virtual shows. Yeah, (laughs) right. Yeah. And then we also, we have, uh, we just announced, just announced St. Paul and the Broken Bones. They're coming in May. Love them. Love them. Love them. Yeah. Me too. Um, and the Beach Boys, the Beach Boys are coming. So. Beach Boys are always coming, right? I know. <laughs> <Florida> residency. <laughs> yeah. So, Katie, you know, uh, you know, you you've kind of uh, spent your life right in that that Florida Georgia line, right? So let's let's take you way back to you know you you went to college, uh, University of Florida, right? And mm-hmm. then you went out to get your 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 master's from Georgia State. So tell me about you know making that choice to get that marketing master's degree, and you know for that person who's listening, who's like trying to decide, hey, is, is the master's a good thing to have? What do you think? So after I graduated from UF, I spent three years down in Miami working entry level, first job out of college. Um, and then I I didn't really grow my career there. I, I kind of, I don't know, Miami was a tough place to, if you didn't speak Spanish, to um, to launch your career. So I was kind of stuck and I, I was like, I think I want to go back to school and just change it up and see where see what I can do. Um, I, I thought about maybe getting an MBA or, but I just always felt drawn and more passionate just about marketing. So I found this program at Georgia State University that focused solely on marketing. It was part of their MBA program, but it was a a specialized track. Um, So I did that. And, and with that experience, I was able to do an internship 
I think I was the oldest intern there. Um, pretty much everyone was uh, was an undergrad. So the internship was with the Atlanta Hawks and Phillips Arena, which nice. is now State Farm Arena. Yeah. Um, and that internship paid off, right? Because yeah. you, you were there. You made you made a uh, had a good run there. Yeah, I did. I loved working at Phillips Arena. I loved the people there. I loved Atlanta. Uh, we had such a great network of women in the industry there. You, you guys know most of them. <laughs> Natacha was on the podcast a few weeks ago. Um, yeah, it's just it was a great, great experience. I I don't think I ever thought I would get my foot in the door in the entertainment industry uh, or you know sports entertainment. And I and I did. I once I did that, I couldn't do anything else. Um, sure. So how did you make that transition or what, what, what do you think, you know, when, because a lot of our interns don't make it right. They mm -hmm. opt off and they end up going to do, you know, marketing for a, you know, a bank or something. So how did you make that transition from an intern into, you know, uh, into your full-time position with a, you know, marketing PR manager there at the arena? Gosh, I think it was, I mean, it was a very fortunate series of events that took place. Um, when I came on as the intern, Amanda Plank was just stepping out to go on maternity leave. So I was working alongside Stephanie Stevens and, and because Amanda was out, she was the marketing manager at the time because she was out on maternity leave. I was able to step up and do more kind of fill in more as um, like the coordinator role. And because I was a little bit older and had some, some work experience, I was able to kind of step up and kind of show show what I could do, I guess. Um, well, I, I think know. you probably you were recognized, you know, you're being being probably more modest than you should. But you know, if you if you, you know, ultimately, the you know, we've all had interns, right? Everywhere. And sometimes certain ones are there to just kind of do what they've been told. And other ones are ready to jump in the trenches with you mm -hmm. and ready to like, you know, help you out. So I think, yeah. like you're saying is, you all had a situation where you needed more help and you were the one that clearly was recognized as being the one that kind of stepped up and filled that role. And so I think that they rewarded you and you, you earned it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way of saying it. And, and I just, I wanted it so bad. And then I guess then when Amanda came back from maternity leave, Stephanie took a position somewhere else. So the coordinator position opened up and I applied, they made me go through the whole process of sure. applying and I was sweating like bullets. I wanted it so bad. And I was like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do if I don't get this. I'm going to be so upset. And then, and then, so I got the job. And then I guess a year, a couple years later, Amanda left. And again, I applied for the job as manager, uh, went through all the hoops and um, worked really hard and um, got the job. Yeah. Now you were there until uh, about 2016, right? And at that point, you kind of stepped away from the industry a little bit. So tell me about that decision, uh, stepping away and then getting pulled back in. Yeah. So in 2015, I um, I had my daughter. She's Elliot. She's five now. Um, and so I was working at the arena at the time. And when I came back from maternity leave, there was uh, some organizational changes, some shifting and... Um, and, you know, I just had a baby and it was just really, it was different and it was hard and I didn't have any family around. So I don't know, trying to do this job and be successful at it uh, without any family, it was just, it was hard. So we, my husband and I decided like, let's move closer to your family. So we moved to Florida 
and I didn't have a job at the time. I was like, I'll just figure something out when I get there. And my husband was able to secure a job. And so we got here and I, I couldn't really find anything in the entertainment industry. So I took this job with this general contractor. It's a billion dollar company doing like massive projects. It was, it was kind of similar to marketing a show. Well, no, you know what, you bring up a good point, though, because I think a lot of us that are in the live event industry, especially after the events of 2020, kind of have, uh, whether by choice or uh, I have these these thoughts of, you know, what if I stepped away from this industry? Would I find it fulfilling? Am I going to, Am I, can I, could I take these skills and, and transfer them? And then is my life, is it going to suck? Because I've been so used to working in this fast-paced environment of live shows and the excitement there. So when you, when you did that and you got to work in that, in that different kind of industry, did you find that, you, you know, you just, you missed that show life or, or was it, did you find other ways that it was fulfilling? Absolutely missed the show life. I missed <laughs> it so much, um, but it was, I love a challenge. I like, you know, learning new things. So this, I was learning how to market construction. I didn't know, like, first of all, I had to learn all the terminology. I had to learn all these things. And it was, um, it was thrilling. It was fun. It was, I enjoyed that challenge. So I was there for like a year, about a year. And then um, I got pregnant with my son and he had a pretty traumatic entry into the world, um, kind of a health scare. And, and while I was on maternity leave, I um, was just like, man, I don't know if I really like Orlando that much. I don't, I mean, my parents are there, but I miss working in the entertainment industry. I miss the excitement of live shows. And so my husband and I had always, we always love St. Augustine. Uh, my sister lives there. We got, my husband and I got married there. We vacationed there a lot. And we thought like, wouldn't it be great if we could get over to St. Augustine, like live in a place that we enjoy. We, we like going to the beach. We like doing outdoor stuff. We like, we just love that little town. And um, so I was on maternity leave and I was like, oh, I'm just going to check the website. Maybe the amphitheater is hiring. And like, and they were, <laughs> there was a position for a marketing wow. um, coordinator. And I was like, oh my gosh, this, this is meant to be. So I like got all my stuff, my resume and everything together. I applied and I looked the next day and they, the job was, was gone. Like it was, it wasn't posted anymore. So I was like, Oh my God, like, no. <laughs> I hope I made it in time. I, you right. know, I was like, yeah. Um, you but never I did. Know. Yeah. But I did, I got, um, got, got all my stuff in on time and, um, took them forever to call for an interview. And so I just wasn't sure if it's going to happen, but then that it did. And so we um, moved pretty quickly and made it work. So basically every time I'm on maternity leave, I end up moving. There you yeah. Go. <laughs> well, I think, I think like you, you're kind of hitting on this and I think it's relatable to people now is that yes, of course it's tied to maternity leave, but it's also tied to kind of having the space to really think and we often, when we're in live entertainment, we're so run and gun that we're just focused on the next event, the next thing that we have, the next problem we have to solve. And when you do get that space to kind of take a step back and say, okay, do I like where this trajectory is going? Do I like the situation I'm in? Is there a better situation? Am I, even if it's not on the professional side, do I want to move and be closer to family? Like, what are my priorities? And mm -hmm. it's interesting. You obviously had two of those moments. And I think a lot of people, myself included, are having that moment now where, you know, they're taking that 
that year, they're being sort of forced into that, that taking that space and saying, you know, do, do I like what I was doing and would I want to change something and would I like that change? And sometimes you don't, or sometimes you're challenged by it. Like you said, and you get a lot of exciting uh, thrills out of the challenge, but then sometimes it's, uh, you know, something that makes you reevaluate something and, and lead you to an exciting new opportunity. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. I've never been afraid of change. It, it, it excites me. Um, and so I think I encourage everyone to just like you're doing is think about where you are and, um, you know, if you're not happy, make a change and you'll make it work. You know, I moved to Atlanta to get my master's and I didn't know how that was going to go, but I had to make it work. And I did. People are, are afraid if they don't know the outcome of something. Obviously you don't know the outcome when you're, when you're stepping into change, but just know yourself well enough to know that you're going to make it work. One of my favorite stories that that you've shared uh, on, on your social media was uh, about seeing Elton John as a father, not as a performer, but as a father, and 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 him finding a, a way to kind of involve his family into, into what he does. I don't. Would you share that for folks who who haven't uh, heard that one? Yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, so when I was in Atlanta at Phillips Arena, uh, we had Elton John playing, and um, we went out for um, on the floor for the security meeting. And as we're standing there, this golf cart comes up and like just right behind me. I'm like, oh my God, that's Elton John. And oh my God, those are his little kids. <laughs> it was so cute. He had his, his kids on tour with him and they were playing around, running around the floor and he was doing sound check. And I think he, one of them even like sat with him on the piano. Like it was just, so cool to see him loving these kids and just in a dad role father figure like to them to these kids it's oh it's dad and to us it's sir elton john right right is he sir he's a sir right he's a yeah. sir oh yeah. he's, a sir. <laughs> he's a sir yeah tell us about dustin your husband How, how'd you guys meet how long have you been married so we met uh we met in atlanta through mutual friends at a party and we started dating and got married probably like a year later. Our third date was to the SEC championship game um, in Atlanta when Alabama was playing Florida. Because he nice. is a big, he's a big Alabama fan. His dad played there, his uncle played there, he's he has family in Alabama. So it was funny. Um, that was our third date, and um, he was willing to take a Florida fan to the game. There you go. Yeah. Right. No kidding. That's yeah. not a that's not a line that's always easily crossed. No, no. So, um, so this will this is we're coming up on our tenth year, tenth anniversary. That's year. a big one. How exciting! Yeah. 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 <laughs> Katie, before we we wrap things up here, you know, making that change, you know, from the person who works at an arena to then working at an amphitheater, and any key differences you kind of noticed there along the way, or is it? pretty much you're, you're taking those same skills and, and putting them to use in the amphitheater. Oh, so there's so many differences um, just due to like the environment, um, you know, sure. I have, we have like snakes and bugs and lizards and stuff. Like <laughs> you never, never know, what, you never know what you're going to see around, you know, quote unquote, the office. Um, right. But it's, <laughs> but it's also, it's, um, it's just, it's nice. It's um, working on the amphitheater in the location that we are. It's, you know, if I need a minute, I can just go and take a walk out in around the amphitheater and just get a breath of fresh air or 
it's just, it's nice. It feels good. Um, it, the arena was great too. You could always just walk around the bowl, but it's not the same as um, getting out in nature and taking a moment. Um, but as far as marketing goes, it's, it's not, it's not that different. The budgets, the budgets are different. Um, the capa- capacity is different. Um, sure. The schedule is different, but it's, um, you know, the same principles. Marketing line I'm sure that. it's nice being at an amphitheater in Florida too. You know, there's one scattered, ones scattered all over the country and during normal times, you know, I know the ones in my area, their season is maybe, uh, you know, April to October or March to October, maybe depending on weather. And so in Florida, I mean, I'm sure you all do have a season and I'm sure a lot of those tours do go indoors and do arena tours kind of around the winter, but you also probably have a lot of flexibility where you could do shows year round. You can do them in January that a lot of other people can't, you know? Right. We do. And, um, you know, I've only been here for a few years, but what I've noticed is the season kind of keeps expanding because we're doing more, more one-offs, more um, self-promotes in what would be an off season for, you know, amphitheater tours. Um, so yeah, we, we do have shows in January, February. Uh, we typically end around November. Um, then December, we're pretty dark. So we have like a month um, of off season to, to kind of regroup and do all those off season projects and whatnot. Sure. Yeah, as we wrap things up here, we like to uh, hit you with our fast fives. So we have five quick questions for you. We're just looking for uh, uh, a, a short, uh, a quick response here. So see see how you can do here. Uh, how about your, your first concert? Voice of Men. Ooh. How about your favorite concert? <laughs> oh, gosh, that one is so hard. I, I think my favorite was Jack White at the Fox Theater. Wow. Ooh, how about, gosh, how about that would be so amazing. <laughs> Uh, the nicest artist, Alicia Keys. Favorite venue that you haven't worked at? Probably Fox Theater in Atlanta. Last question for you. <laughs> what is your theme song? So in other words, you know, it's your, you get your own keep, Keeping Up With The Kardashians is done. And now we're keeping <laughs> up with Katie. And their cameras are following you around. And uh, over the opening credits to your show, there's a theme song that plays. What is the theme song to the TV show all about Katie Root? Don't Stop Me Now. Queen. <laughs> love it. Nice. I love that song. If somebody wants to get in touch with you or follow along with uh, uh, what you're doing down there in St. Augustine on social with the venues, uh, any uh, social media shout outs that you want to you want to put out there? Yeah, um, I'm on Instagram, uh, Katie, K-A-T-I-E underscore root. Facebook, I think it's the same, Katie Root. <laughs> the amphitheater is just what? Is it just uh, at the amp? Uh, so the amphitheater is at the amp. Uh, S-A. St. Augustine. Yeah. Cool. There you you go. All right. Well, hey, we really appreciate your time today. Thank you for joining us. And thanks to everybody for listening to Adventures in Venue Land. Remember, you can subscribe and find more episodes wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We'd love your five-star reviews so you can help others find us. Until the next adventure, I'm Dave Ruttleberger. And I'm Paul Hooper. Thanks for listening, everyone.